Folks, have you checked out the Irish History Podcast shop recently? Right now, I have a sale of 30% off everything when you use the code SALE30. So go to irishhistorypodcast.ie forward slash shop and get 30% off everything when you use the discount code SALE30. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey folks, if you live in New York or the surrounding area, save the date of February the 28th. I'm delighted to announce I've been invited to speak at the American Irish Historical Society. Now the event is on in the Society's building on 5th Avenue. It's going to be all ticketed, but you can get yours today on the Society's website at AIHS.org. That site is AIHS.org and when you get onto the site, just click events. I've never been to the States before, so I'm really looking forward to this event and meeting listeners from New York. The event is on, as I say, on February the 28th, and you can book your tickets at AIHS.org. I look forward to seeing you there. Hello and welcome to the Irish History Podcast. My name is Finn Dwyer, and this is A Witch Hunt in the 21st Century. Now, this episode is very different than pretty much any other show I've ever made. I came up with the idea after making my mini-series on the Alice Kittler witchcraft trial in 1324. I would recommend listening to those two shows before you get into this episode. In those shows, I announced that I was doing a witchcraft tour in April and lots of listeners across the globe were in touch, mentioning how they'd love to come, but time and distance meant they couldn't attend. While there's no way I can do justice to the remarkable medieval landscape and architecture where the witchcraft trial of Kilkenny took place in a podcast, I thought it would still be fun to go out with a recorder and hunt down what is left of the world of Alice Kittler. So today's podcast is essentially a search for a lost city, Kilkenny as it existed in the 1320s. That's 700 years ago and the city has suffered appallingly in the centuries since. It endured the Black Death and the crisis that followed in the 1350s. It was sacked by Oliver Cromwell in the 1650s. It suffered a terrible recession in the early 19th century and then an onslaught of what many would say was reckless construction in the late 20th century. In this context, I was curious, would I find any remnants of the world of Alice Kittler? I set out looking for things she touched, evidence of people she knew, but I wasn't sure if anything like that even survived. So I set up a few interviews and visited some medieval buildings in Kilkenny with a recorder to see if there was anything left from the supposed witch who disappeared in 1324. I have to say I was sceptical starting out whether I would be even able to make this show 
But when you dig down in Kilkenny, as we're about to hear, there's actually a surprising amount of things that not only survive from the 1300s, but that are actually directly related to Alice herself. Before we embark on this witch hunt, I want to mention the tour that inspired this show. On Saturday, April the 20th, I'm organising a day-long tour through Medieval Kilkenny, where you can see all the places covered in this podcast and much more. It's also an enhanced tour experience, meaning there are sound effects so each person gets a listening device and along the way you'll not only see and visit the medieval ruins, you'll be able to hear what they were like around the year 1300. We will travel by private coach through Medieval Kilkenny where you'll get access to medieval sites, a meal in Kilkenny, an interactive walking tour of the medieval city and the Priory of Kells. This is going to be a totally unique experience. Tickets for the entire day cost €100, but patrons get a 10% discount. There's still some tickets available today at irishpodcast.eventbrite.ie. Now I want to avoid breaking up this episode with any more announcements, so before I begin, I want to also let you know about changes coming down the line. I released a short show in early January detailing these plans, but this is a recap. So when I finish the Great Famine series, which will be in about six months' time, I'm going to move on to the War of Independence. Now this is going to be very different from other takes on the war, as it will be structured around the lives of eight lesser-known people. While I think this will make the story more accessible, engaging, and overall a great series, it's a big undertaking, and to do this properly, I need to hire a part-time researcher. I know this is a big step for the podcast and perhaps the most ambitious one I've ever taken, but I'm hopeful I can do it. Now, researchers don't come for free, and in light of this, I've set a new target at patreon.com forward slash Irish podcast, where you can help me fund this researcher. Hopefully, we will do this together. We are already 77% of the way there. I fully appreciate January is a tough time on all of us, but if you have a few euro to spare, it'll make a big difference on my end of things. In return for your support, if you become a patron, you get a 10% discount on all tours. You get early access to the show, you get episode guides and exclusive episodes as well. It's really easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash Irish podcast. That's patreon.com forward slash Irish podcast. Finally, I want to thank the following patrons this week, Adrian Kelly, Kimberly Samar, Aaron O'Murray, Mary E. Spademan, Tim Cully, Kira Anderson, Maura Markham, Morris, Neil Moriarty, Alex Silloway and Tim Carter. Thanks folks, I really appreciate your support. Over the previous two podcasts, I looked at the story of Alice Kettler, a woman accused and tried for witchcraft in Kilkenny in 1324. Trying to find remnants of the world she lived in is difficult, if not impossible. 1324, by any reading of history, is a long, long time ago. These events took place closer to the era of the Vikings and Brian Baru than the 21st century. Major news in Europe in the 1320s were things like the end of the Crusades which had occurred a few decades earlier with the fall of Acre in 1291, while a descendant of Genghis Khan, Uzbek Khan, was leading armies of the Golden Horde in an invasion of modern day Greece and Bulgaria. While this might seem like a very distant world, I began my search in the centre of Kilkenny with a recorder in the very streets 
where Alice Kittler had once grown up in. I'm starting my search for Alice Kittler here at the Town Hall in Kilkenny to give you a sense of what Kilkenny is like in 2019. You can probably hear the busker behind me, there's traffic passing on the road beside me. I am actually in a historic building at the moment. As I say, it's the Town Hall. Uh, it looks old, but in terms of what we're looking for, it's relatively new. It was only built in 1761. We need something about twice as old as this building if we're going to be finding something that was in Kilkenny around the time of Alice Kittler. Now, perhaps a better place to find Kittler would be the one place in Kilkenny that bears her name, and that's Kittler's Inn. So I'm going to head there now. I'm standing outside Kittler's Inn in Kilkenny now. Now, this is a pretty famous spot in the city. It's called Kittler's Inn because it's supposedly or reputedly where Alice Kittler actually lived. It certainly looks a lot older than most buildings in the city. However, saying exactly how old this building is is very difficult because it's been altered so many times over the centuries, it's very difficult to say when the original building was started. Certainly though, old tradition in Kilkenny says this is where Alice Kittler lived. Now I'm going to ask a few people on the street about those oral traditions and what they think the connection between Kittler's Inn, the building here, is and Alice Kittler herself. Alice Kittler owned this uh, building here at Kittler's Inn back in the 1600s, I think, and uh, she was... Oh, she escaped to London. Poor Petronella was burnt at the stake in her case. Uh, she was uh, an owner of this particular property way back in the Dark Ages, and uh, she was uh, accused of witchcraft and uh, she escaped being burnt to death and her maid was burnt instead. connection with Dame Alice is only a name as far as I can say. That's the name of it. So the oral traditions don't really help us to pin down a connection between this building that I'm looking at now and Alice Kittler herself. That said, it is important to note that these oral traditions stretch back well into the 19th century. I found a source that names this building, Kittler's Inn, back in the 19th century. Also, history doesn't really help us connect this building to Alice Kittler either. Property deeds in Kilkenny for the 1320s have not survived, so there's no document that says Alice Kittler lived here. But given the oral traditions, I think it is likely that there was a connection between the Kittler family and this building, but we can't say for certain. I'm looking for something more concrete than this. Now, there is one building much older than the 1320s in Kilkenny that is connected with the witchcraft trial and that's St. Canis' Cathedral at the far end of Kilkenny. The prosecutor of the trial was Richard the Dread, the bishop of the time, and he was enthroned in St. Canis' Cathedral in 1317. Perhaps there we can find out more and maybe even find something connected with Alice Kittler. So, a few hundred metres north of Kittler's Inn, we've come to what are called St. Canis' Steps in Kilkenny, a series of stone steps that rise up towards St. Canis' Cathedral, which is built on high ground at the north end of the city. The cathedral itself is really impressive. There's actually a round tower which actually predates the cathedral, built right beside us. So I've arranged to meet Elizabeth Keyes inside the cathedral, and she's going to tell us all about the history of St. Canis' Cathedral and its connection to Alice Kittler and perhaps its most famous bishop, which is Richard the Dread, the man who prosecuted the witchcraft trial in 1324. 
My name is Elizabeth Keyes and I'm the Cathedral Administrator at St Canis's Cathedral in Round Tower in Kilkenny. I'm here for 12 years, so um, quite a while here, but no two days are ever the same. So it's a very interesting job to have um, as the administrator here. The site dates back to the 6th century. It's an early Christian settlement. Two, two churches the King's Palace or the Bishop's Palace at the time and the King of Ossory would have lived here that's why I say the King's Palace Um, and it was a very self-sustainable area Um, from archaeological digs there was a little operation of um, deer antler combs being made so there was an industry up here for um, and also an industry with with tourism and travel and pilgrims coming to visit this particular place because uh, even at that stage of the 6th century it would have been very much recognised as a place of interest to visit Um, so the settlement grew then and um, it became well established as an even for pilgrims to visit and then the architecture and the significance of the place became recognised and the round tower was built now round towers date between the 800s and the 1100s we definitely know ours was a late addition. The Synod at Rap Brazil in 1111 um, changed the seat of Ossery from Sir Kieran uh, in Offaly to Kilkenny. And so we believe that the Round Tower was built for that purpose and commemorate the status of, of Ossery, the seat of Ossery being moved from Sir Kieran to here. And what better way than to, to showcase it with a Round Tower? But the Anglo-Normans, when they arrived, they settled at Kilkenny Castle for their settlement there. When they looked down upon the city, they really felt that these two little churches was not good enough for their, for their conquering. And um, so they started to build what you see today is, is St. Canis's Cathedral. So built between 1205 and 1285. And the skeleton of what's here today is exactly the building of what is, was 1285. The stonework has not changed. While the fabric, tiles, stained glass has changed, the actual stone skeleton of it has not and it's great to be able to say that that the early gothic arches and towers is still here um, in in intact the cathedral is uh, full of different monuments dating over the last thousand years um, and there's just a couple i think that would be really tie into the alice kittler story and there's one just over here that we might just walk over to and look at first absolutely yep so we're just standing now at a rectangular stone slab made out of uh, Kilkenny marble or limestone. Um, and it is with the future want to take over again and tell us exactly what this is. No problem. This is this, the, the gravestone of Joseph Kittler, who is the father of Dame Alice Kittler. This is actually one of the few things in Kilkenny that she probably, we could say, she almost certainly touched this. Oh, there's no doubt know, about it. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, that. And, and you have the Kilkenny in, but there, there are two tangible aspects yeah. of her life that was definitely seen. She would have witnessed this uh, and the fact that it would been her father's memorial stone or gravestone. There's no doubt about that you probably was a, a part of the the ordering of the stone yeah. and whoever stonemasons was here so it really does it's very very tangible really to connect that if we just continue on we'll yeah. just, just to explain to people listening to this we're walking up towards the altar but there's an amazing um 
chair, St. Kieran's chair, which is just up uh, in the transept up here. There is indeed. Um, and maybe we can talk a bit more about that because that's probably one of the oldest. Um, yeah, the story of that dates back to 400. Yes, we're walking towards St. Kieran's chair and it is... Um, it is where the bishop is enthroned. Um, so when there's a new bishop here in the diocese, they're enthroned in this seat. And this enthronement has happened actually since 400 AD. In this chair? Not in this specific chair, but with the stone the, that's the stone. set in the chair okay. has been used for the enthronements since 400 AD. Well, so yeah. Richard de Dredd presumably would have been enthroned and here in was, 1317. He was. That's incredible, another connection. It's incredible given everything that this building has gone through since Cromwell and everything that this has and survived. This, this has like, survived, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, just talking is. about where the uh, dread himself, um, who's obviously central to the Alice Kittler story, was enthroned. Maybe we can go up and see where yeah, uh, his yeah, tomb is. Yeah, absolutely. This is just taking us underneath an amazing crossing in the cathedral, which is quite spectacular. Uh, I wouldn't even hazard a guess at how high up and the you tower know, is. Again, that crossing relates to Dame Alice Kittler oh. because the original crossing and the oh, original yeah. tower was um, was was it was yeah it, it was originally built by William Outlaw, and there was a big controversy over the lead that was placed in that, and they the believed that he he purposely put in too much lead to collapse the centre yeah. tower, so the centre tower had to be rebuilt, and uh, this is what you have of the. Uh, second tower that was built yeah after the whole drama of Dame Alice Kittler and uh, so this is I might just explain to people yeah we're just standing a couple of feet in front of the altar now and to the left hand side uh, there is a tomb set into the wall that's right yeah and we have the Bishop Ledred Bishop Richard Ledred's tombstone the interesting thing about Bishop Ledred's tomb about um, in comparison to any other tomb here we see that he's wearing a pair of sandals and this he's in his robes and staff and all the regalia and all the um, the garments that would have been worn by a bishop, but the sandals are out of place. But they're not for him because he was. Um, tombstones were commissioned by the person bef- when when they were alive, so they had a ch- they had a say over kind of what was what was going to be carved and what wasn't. And so for Bishop Ledred, definitely he had chosen to to have the the actual sandals in the in the in the on or carved on the tombstone, and so it, it it brings him back to his roots of where he was a Franciscan friar, and it denotes that of that that's where he he while it was unusual for him to be an Anglican bishop, it was that was his grassroots really of being a Franciscan friar at the same time. So that but that's interesting about the tombstones is that they had a say over it unless the stonemason wanted to play a few tricks <laughs> and they had no say over it anyway but uh, which has happened but um, I think it's a real perfect example of that dialogue happening and where you know those little little fine pieces of information that would have really only came from the person themselves that what they wanted on their tombstone is, is denoted on it um, that, that says it all really 
Um, well, thanks very much. You're uh, very really welcome. Appreciate it, and I'm sure everyone listening to this that's been an absolute fountain of knowledge. Um, I so hope thanks for so. Being. You're very welcome. Thank you. So we're unquestionably now starting to find things that date from Alice Kittler's life. We know she would undoubtedly touched that gravestone of Jose or Joseph Kittler, which is in the cathedral. But I want to find out more things from day-to-day life from medieval Kilkenny, when Alice Kittler lived here. So next, we're going to go to the Medieval Mile Museum, which is actually built in a building associated with the trial that's St Mary's Church, which is just behind where I began in the town hall in Kilkenny. My name is Grace Fagan and I'm the curator manager here in the Medieval Mile Museum in what was St Mary's Parish Church. So yeah, we're standing inside what was a church now and Grace, do you want to talk a little bit in terms of like uh, the Alice Kittler story, how important St Mary's would have been in Kilkenny, say around the year 1300? Sure. Um, well, we know that St Mary's was built by 1205 and, and it was built by William Marshall as the parish church for the Burgesses of Kilkenny. So at that time in the, in the 13th century, it was a very important uh, medieval urban church for a significant medieval population. Probably a very good chance, obviously we're not 100% certain, but it's a very good chance this is where Alice Kittler herself probably would have been baptised, probably would have went to Mass on a regular basis. Yeah, you would Im- imagine so, absolutely, um, along with the other Burgesses that were living in the English town or the high town of Kilkenny at the time, yeah. yeah. And today when you walk into the church, it's obviously not a church anymore, mm-hmm. it's a museum mm-hmm. and scattered throughout the building are lots of amazing tombs, artefacts, and we're just going to look at a couple of these, particularly the ones that might pertain to Alice's story. Yes. And right behind us here is one of the more famous um, grave slabs, or I suppose, uh, from medieval Kilkenny. This is the Gower tomb. Do you want to talk a bit about that, Grace? Yeah, sure. It's um, it's an amazing. It's a double effigy. So, which um, and double effigies in themselves are really, really rare. Um, just to explain to people, mm-hmm. it's a man and a wife carved onto the same exactly yeah as we look at it the man is on the left and the woman is on the right and so they're carved out of one single block of Kilkenny limestone there are only four uh, double effigies really of this kind of this type known in the country Uh, so this is one of them and there's a second one in the building as well but Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Recently, I had a minor argument with a close friend that brought up things from my past that I really needed to get off my chest. I think we've all been there. Now, I found therapy a really great way to work through these issues. For me, I really like online therapy, and BetterHelp is a really great online service that allows you to make space for therapy no matter how busy you are. BetterHelp is convenient, affordable, and gives you the support you need, but also works around your schedule. It's really easy to get up and running with a therapist on BetterHelp. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. You can do your sessions by text, phone, or video call, whichever suits you best. It's all about flexibility, working around your schedule. At the moment, BetterHelp are offering listeners to the show 10% off their first month. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash irishhistory today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash irishhistory. As we're looking at the, at the Gowers, we know that it is uh, William on the left and Margaret on the right. He has a beard, does he? He Isn't does. It? He has a very closely shaven beard. Yeah. Um, the, we've lost a lot of detail from them as they're quite badly weathered. Uh, they were outside in the graveyard for centuries. Um, they kind of they moved around quite a bit at the moment as, as we're looking at them. They're, they're vertical. They're uh, propped against the wall inside the museum. But um, right before they were here, they were outside in the graveyard in the kind of southern extent of the graveyard. So their their faces are quite worn um, and you can kind of see some of the the beautiful detail of the limestone in that the kind of the fossils that are embedded in the limestone, they're obviously made of harder material than the surrounding stones. So there now some of them are standing kind of proud, which is quite, quite nice. Um, but what's lovely about the, the, this double effigy is it, how it's carved and, and how it really shows the detail of how men and women at the time dressed and what they wore. Um, I guess as well, this couple, William and Margaret Gower, again, people, uh, Alice Kitter probably knew she would have been a bit older than the two of these. I guess if we're talking, these would have presumably died in their 40s maybe, maybe and she, yeah. she would have uh, left the Kenny when they were I guess in their teenagers but again contemporaries and I think when you're coming back to what you were saying there the tomb really preserves some of the clothing style and you can even actually see he's wearing um, uh, his shoes or, or footwear is, yeah. is carved onto the stone That's as well it, Yeah, and she's got a fabulous a cloak, uh, the folds are carved really beautifully yeah. on it, she's wearing a barb which is that kind of uh, a collar running right from below her chin to uh, her collarbone um, and you can see that the stone carver has taken care to kind of carve the pleats of the fabric um, that would have that she would have been wearing. While we've been talking so far about slabs which go on the top of graves, I'm just looking over here and there's actually essentially what was, I suppose, a medieval coffin yes. on which uh, these slabs would have rested on top of. Maybe we'll go over there and yeah. talk a bit about the, sure. the mechanics of what happens uh, in a medieval burial. So now we're looking at what essentially looks like a stone uh, coffin. It has the rough outline of a human uh, body carved inside it. And then there's two holes 
um, and essentially a pillow where the head would have rested. Um, Grace, do you want to explain a bit about what we're looking at here? Sure. It's it's essentially it's it's a stone coffin or sarcophagus. It is again that kind of coffin shape. So it's it's wider up where the head would be and narrows a little bit towards the feet. And it's a very simple shape, just a kind of a, a circle carved out for the head, and then the shoulders come out and it goes straight down to, again to where the feet would have been, where the head would go. It's slightly raised, like a little pillow fashion. Um, it's actually very comfortable, which is a very strange thing to say, but we've. Had had to go in it it's a very sturdy <laughs> piece of uh, stone so but of note really and what our visitors get a particular kind of um kick out of really is the fact that there are these two drainage holes essentially and do you want to explain exactly why you'd have a drainage hole in the stone yeah, coffin it's actually I, I think it was a kind of a technological shift you, you there are examples from from ireland and from britain of these kind of coffins and it's just a solid base and obviously that wasn't working quite well for them because obviously as a body decomposes various things go liquid and these guys decided it would be a, a great idea to have drainage holes in the base of the coffin so that that liquid material can literally drain away um, leaving the after a number of years what you would have is simply skeletal material in the coffin So we've walked into what's called the Kilkenny Room in the uh, museum and this is an incredible room when you walk into it it's uh, behind where the altar would have been originally in the church but when you walk in now there's this incredible huge glass window that looks out over uh, the River Nore, and then over what would have been the suburb of St. John's in medieval Kilkenny. But this is actually a part of a restoration project that went on in the on the building uh, to create the museum. Grace, do you want to talk about that? Because when you walk up to the museum today, or to the, what was St. Mary's Church, it has an unusual appearance. It does. I, uh, the, of, of, of what people notice, I suppose, first is these, these two, uh, from the outside, uh, what look like extensions uh, clad in in lead and um, these are designed by the the architects uh, McCullough Mulvin as part of the conservation restoration works and what they're actually doing is kind of recreating spaces that would originally have been here because the 13th century church was so much bigger than the building that work started on in, in, in 2012 um, because in after the Reformation and it, mostly during the 18th century the church was made an awful lot smaller they removed the chancel essentially and they removed the north and south aisles uh, so when you come to the museum today the north aisle has been reconstructed and the chancel has been reconstructed uh, in, uh, in a modern build in this room, there's a series of artefacts. Um, I think probably when you walk in, the most striking one is the mace and sword of the city. Um, but we've come to talk about an incredible book that I just mentioned, which is... Uh, I, I really have a, a huge graph for this book. Uh, this is the Libra Primus, um, which was a record of town life, and I used this quite a lot when I was... Uh, writing uh, a book I wrote a couple of years ago on the Black Death but you wanted to, it's quite incredible actually to see the book here yeah. in the case in front of us Grace do you want to talk a little bit about maybe the Libra Primus and what exactly uh, was recorded in this sure um, well it's it is it's, it's one of the longest it's the longest continuous civic record in the country outside of Dublin um, it, it starts these people started writing in it in about 1231 
and they continued writing into into the mid 1500s so for 300 years this was the book in which important information was recorded and accounted um it's such a mixture of of information and they they were very um i suppose economic with their use of paper they they jump all over the place um so if you open page one, it's not necessarily where it starts. You'll find an account from the, uh, the the 1400s written underneath something from the 1300s because there was a spare bit of paper. The page hadn't been quite finished. So it's quite a difficult book, as I'm sure you'll uh, know, to kind of to really analyse and, and, and decipher. But in terms of the kind of information that's contained in it, um, all kinds of everything, accounts of, of elections and accounts of meetings. It's not really a minute book. Um, it's, it's much more complex than that. Again, just kind of relating this back to the Alice Kittler story, these actual pages, well, not the, the, the specific pages, but this book um, was in existence in the city at the time when I was up in the St. Canis' Cathedral and in looking at Jose Kittler's uh, gravesab up there we were just talking uh, with um, Elizabeth Keyes yeah. about how that was one of the few things maybe surviving in the city that we know yeah. she would have touched obviously because it's, a, a, you know, it's, it's very uh, personal to her yes. but again an artefact like this is very much um, for a family like hers mm. would have been very important because there's very much power in the pages mm. of this book because this is as you're kind of saying the official record that if something needs to be straightened out and for her even uh, a book like this would have been important while she uh, um, as a woman wasn't able to become sovereign or mayor of Kilkenny at the time she was one of the wealthiest traders uh, or merchants rather in the in the town so having an understanding of what was in this book would have been important to, to her too Absolutely. And again, it, it talks about the kind of the, the price of bread and the duties that would have to be paid by business people in Kilkenny at the time, how much the corporation would have to pay for street sweeping and that kind of thing. It very much it was a municipal book, but the rules were very clear. This and this is where the rules were, and it was a very much a physical manifestation of the law. If it was written in this book, if you're arguing your your side or your case then somebody could pick this up and go, well, look, it actually says that on this page. We decided this is how things are going to be. So it's very much, it's not just a concept. It is a physical thing. Brilliant, Grace. Thanks very much. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Ben. Now, you can't complete any visit to medieval Kilkenny without going to Kilkenny Castle. This was built around the year 1200. This stood in Kilkenny during the witchcraft trial. And if you've listened to the podcast on the trial, you'll know it played a very central role. The Bishop of Kilkenny... Richard Ledred was imprisoned here during the trial and in the castle I've arranged to meet someone who can tell us all about that history. My name is Peter Kenny. I'm a full-time guide here in Kilkenny Castle, so I've been based up here for nearly 20 years. So just to explain to people listening to this, we're standing in, I suppose, the courtyard of Kilkenny Castle. Uh, part of the castle certainly looks medieval, but it's quite an unusual castle at that. It, in many ways, it looks more like a stately home than a castle. It is indeed. A lot of the castle was renovated by the family in the 1820s when Windsor Castle has been redesigned. So architecturally, Kilkenny has quite a, quite a similar feel to, to Windsor, which is a much older castle. But if you do look around in the courtyard, we can see earlier phases of the castle. And maybe a, a unique uh, feature of the castle is that it's actually three-sided 
you can clearly see there would have been a fourth side but to explain to people it's a, a, a shaped almost like a, a u-shape it is indeed there would have been naturally a fourth wall to Kilkenny castle and it's also where the, the medieval gatehouse would have been and these were damaged by a gentleman called oliver cromwell in 1650 and he battered the south wall and tower with cannon but it wasn't until the late 18th century that the butlers finally removed the last vestiges of the medieval gatehouse, which was converted, by the way, into a clock tower in the 17th century. And they created, if we can see on just behind us, the manorial park outside. So the original castle road ran straight through what's now the middle of the castle park. It's moved to its present position, and by removing the last vestiges of the wall, they created the vista of the, the beautiful castle park that we have today. And inside the building today, uh, I've been around it a few times, and it's very much like a, a 19th century um, stately home. And there are in the, um, I suppose, the basement of the castle, um, surviving sections of the uh, medieval structure. Would it be possible if we can go in and see some of those now? It would be, of course. So we're inside the Kenny Castle now. We've come down a corridor, and we're heading down uh, what seems to be, I suppose, into the basement and Peter, do you want to explain a bit about where we're going? Yep, we're going into what we call the medieval foundation level. And this is where Ben Murta and his team uh, um, had their archaeological dig uh, 25 years ago, back in 1994. And we're walking actually into the medieval moat of Kilkenny Castle. So we've made our way along a corridor and now beneath us, uh, through a iron mesh floor, we can see... Uh, medieval staircases. Again, Peter, do you want to explain a little bit about what this yeah, is? Yeah, we're, we're looking, if we look to this side, we can see the stone facing of William Marshall's 13th century castle, and we call this the, the base batter or the talus of the castle. And are uh, not bisecting it, but going through it, we have a set of medieval steps, and we call this a postern gate or a sally port cellar. And this would have been used by domestic staff. And we can tell by, by the wear patterns alone that it would have been used in daily use. So this is how people would have entered and left the castle as, for we believe, domestic staff. And putting a bit of context, I guess, in terms of the Alice Kittler uh, story, this is definitely a site of the castle that she would have seen, not necessarily used, uh, I think, as someone like her, had she been coming here, say, to see Arnold of Ware or the, the Seneschal of Kilkenny at the time. Well, Some I, of her stature wouldn't be entering through no, an entrance no, like no, this. No, I mean, Alice was, was, was from a very wealthy merchant class, and this wouldn't have been her station. She would have entered through the main gateway of, of, of Kilkenny Castle, which would have been to the south. So this would have been used by, by the lower staff of, of the castle. And again, a servant's entrance would have been used. It's interesting, um, Alice Kittler's period in 1307 we have the first written description of the castle. So we have, we're have we moving from the archaeological record into the historical record. So in 13, 1307, we were told that the castle had four towers, a hall, a, a, a chapel, and other diverse buildings, is the quote. So we've now come into what is very clearly um, a medieval room. It is circular. Um, presumably the base of a tower. What's really interesting is the roof. Maybe sure. Do you want to just explain a bit, Peter, maybe where we are? Very good. Well, we're at, as you said, at the bottom, the base of one of the great towers. We call them one of the, the drum-shaped towers of Kilkenny Castle in Ireland to avoid confusion. As we know, a round tower refers to a monastic site, so we often use the term a drum tower instead. And you can see quite clearly around we have, this is the original quarried medieval stone, which would have come from the Black Quarry, which is only about half a mile south of here. 
But uniquely above us, we have an incredibly rare survival. And this is a method of building called wattle and daub. And wattle and daub was used in agricultural buildings when it did the 20th century. But for your, view, for your listeners, it's a basket weave and a plaster is very crudely applied or daubed onto it. And this would have formed certainly a domed or even possibly a vaulted ceiling in the medieval period. It's interesting of note as well that these walls in the period we're talking about Alice Kittler, they would have been plastered and whitewashed. And this was done both inside and also on the outside of the castle. So we often say to visitors, if you can imagine what Kilkenny Castle would have looked like during the time of Alice Kittler, it was probably a white castle on a green hill. You would have seen it from miles around. And very recently, the archaeologists um, in Kilkenny found the same evidence of this rendering on the city walls. So not only was the castle white, the walls of Kilkenny would have been whitish, well, whitish <laughs> in hue as well. Um, one thing that just actually strikes me while we're standing here, um, there's uh, two arrow loops in the walls, and this highlights the castle today is very much, as I say, like a stately home. Um, in the 14th century, though, it would have had a very, very different appearance. And just looking at the arrow loops, you get a sense, obviously, internally it would have been darker, but on the outside, there would have been very few windows and maybe a much more imposing building. That building, again, say that Alice Kittler would have come up to. Oh, yeah, certainly. I mean, it was. It, we have to remember that these castles are primarily military structures and are built for, for defensive purposes. But, of course, for Alice Kittler's time, there would have been the, the great council chamber would have been here as well, which is where, the, where the, the parade tower of the castle would have been used as well. Um, windows and window glass is something that people are fascinated with. It doesn't turn up very much in terms of archaeology because it's recycled, you see. And um, we know in lieu of windows, people used to use animal horn. And animal horn is kind of the plastic of the Middle Ages. So it's malleable in hot water and you could make it into lattices. So it's possible that there was windows, but not with glass that they would have used parchment and animal skins. The glass would have been used for very high status rooms like the Great Hall or the church in the castle, or the chapel, I should say, in, in, in the castle as well. And then in terms of Kilkenny Castle and the story of Alice Kittler, uh, the most famous event that took place here was the imprisonment of Richard the Dread during the trial. Mm-hmm. And we can actually go now and see the room where yep. he probably was imprisoned. Absolutely. Well, it's the base of the parade tower, which is the great council chamber where the, the council would have met at the time of, of the Alice Kittler witch trial as well. We've now come to what is the parade tower in Kilkenny and we've walked through an inc- a passageway through an incredibly uh, thick wall and we're inside the base of the parade tower. Uh, do you want to fill us in a bit about the history of this? This is an incredible in terms of the Alice Kittler story. This room is almost ground zero, I suppose. Well, this is the infamous room that Bishop Ledred would have been, we believe, in, in prisons in. So this would have served as the prison, the oblet of the castle in the period we're talking about in the 14th century. And directly above us, we would have had the great council chamber. So this is where the bishop would have spent many a worrisome night, we believe, uh, pro- probably kept, kept we, we're not sure for how, many, how long he was imprisoned for, but certainly this is the area where he would have been imprisoned, we believe, in the castle. And in terms of the room today, there's several lights, there's a door that's open and there's light coming in. When he would have been here, it would have been a much, much darker room because there's only four, hour, five hour loops 
uh, which are very small uh, slits in the wall to allow light in. So when he would have been here, you're talking about a much, much darker room. It would have been a much, much darker room and a much, much more smellier room as well because we, when the archaeology was done, they found the remains of a medieval cistern down here where some of the effluent was going through. So not only was it dark and dismal, you had to put up with the atmosphere as well, which wouldn't have been very conducive. And then, uh, just to explain to people at home, the roof is made from amazing timbers and then there's an enormous beam running, uh, an upright beam in the middle of the room to hold up uh, this roof. Could you explain a little bit about this? Yep. Uh, During the uh, archaeology on the parade tower wing of the castle was discovered that some of the oak oak joists that were used were, were medieval in date. And um, the archaeologists uh, decided to salvage them and they're on display here. And we can tell they're medieval. We're not too sure of their date because of the tooling that's on the wood. Now, we have a central beam. It's a massive open beam. And above, we have some of the floor joists as well. But I'm glad to say they're not supporting anything. There's a metal plate that's supporting the floor above. So they're only supporting their own weight. It's not going to come down on us, I'm pleased to say. This is incredible, I think, to be standing here. It's that, uh, I suppose, real history where you're in the room where such an incredible event took place in terms of the history of the Kenny, probably the most famous event in terms of the history of the Kenny that would have taken place in this room, such a, a pivotal event. And the floor that we're standing on is the excavated floor level of what would have been here in the 1320s as well. So not only are we in the room, we're actually standing on the floor level, ground zero, as you said, of, of, of the event. That's brilliant. Thanks a million, Peter. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. I'd like to thank Elizabeth Keyes, Grace Fagan and Peter Kenny for their time. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to join me on the tour of Medieval Kilkenny, there are still a few remaining tickets available at irishpodcast.eventbrite.ie That's irishpodcast.eventbrite.ie Until next time, Sloan. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.